Hi, I'm Jesse Heron, host of Rediscover Your Story, a podcast for marketers who need a break from the everyday learning, but still want to hear from like-minded professionals on all things creative. Today, we're talking to Drew Boyd. He's an author, he's a speaker, and he hosts LinkedIn events twice a week. And I think you're going to love all of his practical tips on why thinking outside the box is a misguided idea. Thinking outside the box is a myth. Harness the power of constraints. Constraints are not a barrier to your creative output. Constraints make the mind work harder and smarter. But I'm spending a lot of time, too, working on children's books about how to be creative. They're picture books and they're poems. It's poetry. Who knew? I'm actually not bad at writing poetry. I had no idea. Hashtag, but first, if you're loving Rediscover Your Story, go ahead and smash that bell and subscribe on YouTube. And don't forget to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, and wherever you can get your streaming content. And hey, if you're interested in who we are at Resolve, we're a video content agency, and we can help you create your video content marketing just like we're doing with the podcast. Please follow along at our website, resolve.com. That's R-E-S-L-V.com. Subscribe to our newsletter and never hesitate to reach out to us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. We can't wait to hear from you. Without further ado, let's hear Drew's story. Drew, hey, thanks for coming to Resolve Studios. Great to be here. You know, when we were talking about our guest list, our wish list for guests, you were at the top of the list and you kept getting dragged to the top of the list. Um, We just started our second season and so you're in season two. So I'm bummed we never got to get you in season one, but you're so busy. Tell me about all the things going on with you. Well, the the biggest news is uh, we have a new grandson and so that's exciting uh, and really looking forward to all the time to spend with him. But, you know, we had dinner last night with old friends, and I was telling them about the things that I do, and they look and go, what, what do you do? Do you ever sleep, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> so I stay busy uh, teaching a lot mm-hmm. uh, and still doing a lot of keynotes. I'm on the road a lot, mm-hmm. uh, which I love. But I'm spending a lot of time, too, working on children's books, um, writing children's books about how to be creative, and this is, this new. is yeah, this is new. Okay, and so I'm really excited about that. They're they're picture books and they're they're poet, poems. Mm-hmm. It's poetry. Mm-hmm. Uh, who knew? I'm actually not bad at writing poetry. I had no idea. And so that's a lot of fun. We have four books. Uh, we've beta tested them in schools, and so we're just now in the final production of being able to turn them over to publishers. So that's that's exciting. That is so exciting. And then my regular live streams. I do a twice a week live stream. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, life's good. I was kind of thinking about this. I I met you before I actually started at Resolve, and I think it's because you were a speaker at an American Marketing Association event. I don't know, probably. I'm going to date both of us, maybe <laughs> maybe 12 to 15-ish wow. years ago. In Chicago, probably. maybe. Yeah, I'm trying to remember where I'm that was. I'm trying to think of where and when, but it was, it was quite a while ago. And then seeing that we worked with you and just kind of like reconnecting with, okay, you're an author, you're a speaker, you are connected to LinkedIn and do the audio events twice a, twice a week. And I actually, you'll probably see my name pop up a few times. I'll yep. kind of get that reminder on LinkedIn and I'll pop in and it's so fun. It's fun. It's, uh, it's a... I'm I'm an author for LinkedIn Learning and so and a content creator. And LinkedIn gives you the ability to do audio events, which are a lot of fun because it's like talk radio. I can have somebody come right into the broadcast, raise their hand, 
and uh, and I get people from all over the world. You do, I see it. It's yeah. hilarious. It's uh, and smart people that really eliminate me. You know, tell me interesting things. I just love these people, and I'm going to go back and have some of them now on these as regular um, uh, guests. And so, and the other format, of course, is video streaming, which yeah. I enjoy a lot. I'm doing a stream. Uh, about once a month with a with a guest on camera, and then the rest are audio events, and it's called Inside the Box, and uh, I love it. Well, um, I actually listened to one of your podcasts. I think it was from maybe last year or the year before, and you were talking about the misguided sort of myth about thinking outside the box, and I wanted to dive into that a little bit because sure. I do remember that was one of the things that you talked about when I heard you speak the 12-ish or so years ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> again, we won't totally date ourselves, but um, I did hear you talk about that. And so I was listening to this podcast and I was, you know, it was it was when you were explaining the, the dots, how you have the three lines of three dots. Oh, yeah. So you have the nine dots laid out like almost like yep. a square, right? And you have to put your pen down and get four lines to right. complete the box. Right. And and then just this whole idea of this misguided sort of theory about thinking outside the box, because you hear everybody say, yeah. oh, you want to get into a creative brainstorming room, right? right? As let's, a creative. Let's think outside let's the think box. Let's think outside the box. So right. talk to me about that. So the title of that, that post was called uh, Thinking Outside the Box, A Misguided Idea. And here's the 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 news now, and I would ask your listeners, you know, don't, don't shoot the messenger. Right. Uh, but brainstorming doesn't work and it doesn't work. And, and let me tell you the story. Brainstorming was devised in the uh, late forties and early fifties by a very smart man named Alex Osborne. Osborne was an advertising executive and he was frustrated in people's inability to generate high-quality ideas. So he had an interesting idea. Let's get a group of people in the room. And, and this is a direct quote from his book. They will use their brain to storm a problem. And thus was born the name brainstorming. Uh, and by God, it was like um, a gift from God. People immediately started to adopt brainstorming. And it had four rules, which most people know, no bad ideas, things like that. The, the academic community jumped on the brainstorming bandwagon, too, and they wanted to study what would make it most effective. You know, what was the optimal group size? What was the optimal amount of time? The first of these was a guy named Taylor from Yale, and he did a study, and what he did is he had a group of brainstormers and then an equal amount of individuals working on the same task, and then they would uh, measure the amount and quality of the ideas between the two groups. Well, what do you think happened on the very first study of brainstorming? The groups working, the, the people working individually outperformed the brainstorming group, producing 80% more ideas and better ideas. That's now, pretty surprising. Uh, very surprising, the first study. Now, people were upset about that. They, they jumped in to do their own studies, to sure. discredit Taylor. And guess what? Study after study for the last 50 years has shown that brainstorming doesn't work. So why does it continue to be used? I was just going to say, so why do we, we yeah. do it here, right? Yeah, like if we sure. need to come together, have an idea, but yeah. it does, it takes a lot of brain power. Once we all get together, we're all looking at each other. So there's a lot of looking at each other. Yeah, a lot of looking at each other. <laughs> and this is the, this is sort of the misguided idea. Thinking outside the box is, means your mind is unconstrained. And without constraints, what happens is your mind gets overwhelmed. 
it, it suffers what we call idea chaos or idea anarchy. And your mind is out there looking for an idea, just wondering, and, and generally settles on something that it already knew. And it's very hard to come up with something really original. Now, brainstorming also has some benefits. Like people, for quick and dirty downloading of what everybody thinks, like, hey, where are we going to go to lunch today? Or, hey, what do you, you know, where would, what would be the good thing to, where we should we hang this picture? To get just sort of a, a group consensus of what everybody thinks, great. It's fine. But as a hardcore, really important uh, innovation method, it's, it, it's better to constrain your mind, think inside the box, put tight constraints around yourself, which violates the first rule of brainstorming. Now, but here's the reality. Brainstorming has become sort of the ubiquitous term for all ideation. And so I, I would tell people, look, don't, don't sweat it too much, but try to use creativity techniques that have science behind them. Uh, just unaided brainstorming in a group of, of people where one person talks, everybody else says, listen, has been shown not to be a real effective use of your time. That's that's the misguided idea. The nine dots, what you, you want to tell you that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, so I was actually trying to think about it in my mind. So I'm yeah. on 71, and I'm in my mind like, I feel like I've heard this before. I feel like there's a trick. There's yeah. something going on with okay. this. Okay, so, so tell us. How do, so how what do we you do, do it? Imagine nine dots on a piece of paper, three dots, three rows of three dots. And then you have to take your pencil and with just four straight lines, connect all nine dots. Now, if you don't know the trick, it's tough. Um, and what happened was this, this uh, puzzle, it's a famous puzzle, was used in the 70s by a researcher named P.J. Guilford. And when he administered this puzzle to people, only about 20% of people could solve it. And the way you solve it is you draw your first line, let's say diagonally, mm -hmm. like almost like tic-tac-toe. Mm -hmm. But your second line, you extend outside the box. That's right. And it gives you that angle, right, to, right. to then come down and complete the puzzle. That's one way to approach it. But only 20% of people could solve that. And he came up with this notion like you know if we could just get people to think outside the box they could be more creative and that's where that term comes from think outside the box what people don't know is two other researchers right after Guilford's study did the exact same study used the same puzzle but added a second group to their study the first group of people got the same instructions that Guilford gave his people right the second group got those instructions plus the added instructions that to solve the puzzle, you had to draw your lines outside the box created by the nine dots. In the first group, just like Guilford, 20% could solve the puzzle. What do you think happened in the second group, Jesse? What do you think? What would you think? I, I, I would think that it would just go higher. I think that the you percentage would, would be higher. Yeah. 20%. Same. Same. Huh. Thinking outside the box is a myth. And everybody knows about the first study, <clears throat> the, the nine dots, you know, thinking outside the box. Nobody knows about the second, the two other studies. And so it's been disproven. And the psychology community acknowledges it now. They don't even debate it. It's to them, it's settled science. They don't, right. they don't study brainstorming anymore. Right. So what kind of advice do you think you would give? I mean, thinking about resolve specifically and other, I would say, smaller to medium-sized yeah. creative agencies. Or teams. Mm -hmm. Where you have teams, right? So you have a client you know this happens all the time. You have a client that calls yeah. and says, hey, we need to have X done by Y. Oh, yeah. So there's already like a little bit of a constraint there. Yes. Um, you know, 
hey, we need you to come up with a really good idea. We, yep. we really need you to help us elevate our brand through video, through content, through whatever that medium yep. is. Can you come up with some ideas in the next two days? Yep. And then we've got to, you know, yep. it's not just you have those two days to think about ideas. You have less than two days to think about the ideas oh, yeah. because you have to put it into a format that you can <clears throat> present the ideas. What would you say to an agency? Sure. What, what are the tips? What are the things you would say? So great, great advice. And this really applies to... Uh, any small team, in, it, it could be inside a large organization or a small organization, nonprofits. Here's what I advise teams. First thing is harness the power of constraints. Constraints are not a barrier to your creative output. In fact, cr all creativity requires some degree of constraints. Constraints make the mind work harder and smarter. Yep. So constraints of time, money, scope. But there's another principle that's even more important. It has a kind of a strange name. I'll, I'll, I'll call it the principle of the closed world. And all that means, Jess, is this. When you are about to ideate something, you're about to generate ideas, put a firm and clear imaginary boundary around it. That, that creates an even tighter constraint. And here's what it does. When you create that closed world, what's been shown uh, by our colleagues, actually, is that when you generate ideas and harness all the resources inside that closed world, it's going to be more creative than if you have to go far away to get a solution and bring it in. Now, all that to say this. Let's say you've been asked by a client uh, and they are, I'll just make this up. Let's say it's uh, uh, the city of Cincinnati wants to promote the public libraries. Sure. All right. And so for you, what that would mean is, you would want to zoom down. Think of the closed world as sort of the aperture on a camera. You, okay. can, you can zoom in, you can zoom far back, and you want to zoom in real okay. closely. And here's why. You want to get down to, the, uh, I'll, I'll make this up, but what if, what if it's one aisle in a library? Let's say the fiction aisle between the letters J and K. That's, <laughs> okay. pretty, that's pretty narrow. That's pretty narrow, that's right? Pretty narrow, yeah. and, and here's the beauty of that. When you restrict yourself and say, you know, we got to promote just this one aisle, it sounds crazy, doesn't it? But if the team just focused on that aisle and thought about ideas for it, then what it does is those ideas take life. And then you, you work from the inside out got as it. opposed to looking at every library in Cincinnati. It's amazing how it works. But get down to that one aisle. Uh, and and you will generate more and higher quality ideas. Then you can go to another aisle or another part of the library, the reference desk, or it's funny I use libraries, right? right. In the state of the internet. But, right, right. But, but still, that's, that's a, a typical. It's a great example. And I also feel like, too, even thinking about, I, I personally think a lot of people go straight to what are the competitors doing? So you're actually even saying the opposite of that. Like, get more narrow focus in on what it is that, that client is doing and, and to your point, getting even more specific as you possibly can, then you kind of build it out from you there. You build it out from there. Yeah. Let me give you an example. It's uh, not, not in our world, but you, everybody remember COVID. <laughs> there yeah. was this thing when called COVID. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and when COVID hit, you know, you can imagine a place like uh, the university of Cincinnati with uh, 48,000 students sure. and, you know, a huge campus. Right. Sure. And so, the, the team had to quickly respond. We all did to COVID. What do we do to protect the students and the staff and visitors and everybody? And so the thinking would be this. 
if you think the closed world, what we did is we said, look, let's, let's not look at the campus. Let's not look at 48,000 students. Not, not, not even look at one college. Let's get it down to imagine one freshman. One freshman. She's uh, 18 years old. She lives on the fifth floor of uh, one of the dormitories. She's in this room. She has a roommate. And let's solve the COVID problem just for her. And let's imagine everything she does, where she goes, the, the stairways she's on, the elevators, the classrooms, where she eats, where she, uh, what she carries, who she meets with yep. from morning to night. And here's why. If we can't solve it for one freshman, what makes us think we're going to solve it for 48,000 students? That but makes if, total sense. If you generate quality ideas for that one freshman, then the, the answers become so much more clear. So your next project, immediately start to think, let's, let's get it down and boil it down to one specific closed world. Zoom in with that camera and generate ideas there first. Because if you can't generate ideas for it, what makes you think you're going to generate ideas for the whole project? I love that idea. I think it makes it really helpful because like I said, there's so many times where not just Resolve, but other agencies and hopefully they're listening and other creative teams, big or small to your point. You know, I mean, you do hear like, let's brainstorm, let's get a team meeting, let's, I mean, there's so many meetings on calendars that maybe we could even eliminate some meetings on calendars this way, right? I mean, where, where everyone comes together with come together with your ideas versus let's come together and start the brainstorm process. Was that kind of even your point too? So here's another tip. Uh, one of the things that we try to do in, in, in group settings where we want to generate ideas is we make a, a component list of the, of the scenario of the, of whatever it is that we're generating ideas for. Uh, let's go back to the library. So what are the components of a library? Well, you have books, you have aisles, you have the reference desk, you have a checkout, you have book return. You take all these elements one at a time. You make a list of, say, you know, 20 elements. And then in a, in a group meeting, you break people into pairs and you say, okay, you two work on the reference desk. You two work on the uh, new book promotions. Got you it. two work, right? So when you narrow people down to just one component, then their quality of their ideas is going to be so much better. And you get parallel production. In other words, right. people more ideas are generated on discrete areas. They can even do this before the meeting. So you would email people and say, hey, I want you to come, to idea, uh, come with ideas on uh, this company's products. You come to the meeting with ideas on their services. You come on their brand and, and break it up into smaller bits. Right. People will do a better job right. and in aggregate produce more ideas. Again, this is back to the study that Taylor yeah. did back in the 50s. I was going to say, you you come together with more ideas exactly. at that point, right? Yeah. Like, And you're not all just focused on these couple of ideas that it took an hour for everybody to come yeah. up with. <laughs> oh, believe me. I've been in those meetings. <laughs> not fun. <laughs> They're not fun at all. They're yeah. not fun at all. Drew, this was awesome. Great. I love this. I love and coming I, here. You know that. <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I know. We love having you here. I can't wait to get this podcast out for everybody so that they can hear these ideas Great. and, you know, any other way we can help promote you and all of, you know, the amazing things that you're doing. We're, we're happy to help you. So Great. Thanks, Jess. Thank you. Jesse. Um, that was not the first time you met Drew Boyd. No, that was not. Drew is such a nice guy. He's so smart. He's so brilliant. And really, like, anytime I'm in the room with him, I just want to 
be a sponge and just soak up whatever little bit of bits of information he has. I agree with you. So um, I mentioned this in the podcast, but I heard Drew speak at an American Marketing Association event a million years ago. Um, and then realizing that we work with him at Resolve, I was just like kind of awestruck a little bit, like this tiny, like little celebrity status of Drew. Um, <laughs> he, but he's so smart. He has really interesting ideas. This whole thinking outside of the box being a misguided idea is as a creative, as someone who's grown up in the agency world, it just kind of is this message where you're like, wait a minute, I've always been told to think outside the box. So mm-hmm. how is that a misguided idea? Yeah. It's one of those things where it, it, when he first brings that uh, idea to you, you're kind of like, wait a minute, everything about my upbringing tells me that this is wrong and I shouldn't do this. But really, like when you really break down and think about what he's saying, it's like, well, yeah, if you're going to make something better, you got to focus on it. And what better way to focus on it than put yourself in the world of that problem? Right, right. And having those constraints. Mm -hmm. And I think too, that when you think about a creative, they actually... I can see where they could actually thrive with having so many constraints, but I don't think that they love to hear that where you just kind of go to one of, I mean, could you imagine going to Charlie and Kyle and saying like, Hey, you have like three hours to do this one video and you can't use your left arm. You know, I mean, I don't know. (laughs) You got to edit with your hand tied behind your back. Blindfolded. Yeah. Yeah, Blindfolded. Come up with something great. (laughs) Yeah, they love that. I'm going to try that with Kyle today, actually. Okay, good. I think we should try that. (laughs) No, but I I think that this episode with Drew is one where, um, you know, anybody from a creative side would love to listen to it. Anybody who's running a team of creatives, I think this is a fantastic episode to listen to. So many great tools and tips. and, And he really got down to those practical ideas and, and how you can implement them literally like in your next meeting. Yeah. And I loved his story about the library as someone who used to work in a library. I was like, yes, I know all about the stacks. I know all about the aisles that solve those problems. My guy. I did not know that you worked at the library. I thought you worked at a movie theater. So <laughs> I, I did that too. The layers are coming out. I'm an, I'm, Jesse, I'm an onion. All right. <laughs> There's so many layers. I was just saying, I don't think we're reaching your full potential, Steve. So we're going to start tapping into that. (laughs) Let's do it. Oh my God. You made it this far in the podcast. You know what you get? You get this special treat of following us on our website, resolve.com. That's R-E-S-L-V.com. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, smash that bell on YouTube. And we have a newsletter. So that's pretty cool if you want to stay connected with us all the time. Thanks for listening.